Hello and welcome to In Lockdown With, a podcast where I, playwright Kieran Fitzgerald, chats to emerging, established and experienced artists in the fields of theatre, film, television, dance and drama, from Wales and beyond, to find out more about their careers and to see how they've been coping during the coronavirus pandemic. Expect laughs, gossip, and an insight into the careers of some of Wales's best-known creatives. If you enjoy this podcast, please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you. Hello and welcome to this episode in lo- of In Lockdown With, with me, Kim Fitzgerald. Today, my guest is Sam Nicholson. Hi Sam, how are you doing? I'm really good, Kieran. How are you doing today? Not bad. How, how are you coping with lockdown? Is she dealing with it okay or is she kind of... Um, she's alright. We've got activities and, and dance and stuff to do every day. So she's keeping busy, but I think she's missing all of her friends and, okay. and being able to just pop up to uh, you know, our family and everything. She's just really missing mm. that. I, I wanted to start at the very beginning. I wanted to ask you... <laughs> As I do with everyone, I've done this on every episode so far. How did you first get interested in the arts? So I started dancing when I was three years old. I'm wow. not going to tell you how old I am now because I'm very old. <laughs> <laughs> and I just kept, um, I started dancing when I was three. My parents took me along for, to just have an activity um, and I absolutely loved it. And I just continued going. Mm. And uh, I did lots of shows when I was younger. And just got hooked that way. And then obviously drama came on. And I did drama as well. And it's just been from there. And was it ballet? What style was it to start off with? It was um, mostly modern style dancing and tap. Right. And then ballet came a little bit later. So have you always preferred, I, I'm going to confess, confess at this point that I don't know much about dance, so you're going to have to educate me in doing the course of this podcast, <laughs> but, but have you always preferred the modern styles? And the... Yeah, I've, I've, I've always had to do ballet to keep my strength up and to keep to my What do you feel that gives to you that the other styles don't? I think it's rhythm. I think it's just hearing different beats and, and different sounds that you can pick up in, in different bits of music. But I'm ashamed to say I haven't tapped for a long, long time. I don't teach it and I don't right. tap with my, my groups anymore. So it's mostly modern and we do a bit of ballroom as well and uh, Latin and fitness. 
Right. <laughs> Might be something that you come back to in the future then, perhaps. Oh, I very much hope so. I really hope so. And in terms of your training, wh where did you go to uni? So I went to Aberystwyth and I did drama. Right. So I did drama and I did uh, French. Right. And I did all my dance qualifications. Uh, alongside that in the dance schools. Was there not a dance course at Aberystwyth? Um, there was, uh, but I really wanted, at the time, I really wanted to do drama. It was between two things. I either wanted to be a drama teacher or a French teacher. Right. Completely different to yeah. anything. And everybody was expecting me to go to dance school. Um, and I had an audition for the place, and I didn't go. So you didn't go to the audition? No, I really wanted to do, um, I really wanted to do French and drama. So mm. I put it aside, and I taught. So yeah, that's do, the way I did it. Do you think there's any element of, like, in terms of being a professional performer is, is a hard industry? get into do you think you were aware of that point or maybe maybe it will be too difficult or maybe yeah i i thought yeah because as i was growing up um we competed a lot and we competed in in london and we competed and performed in south wells we had a competition team that traveled performed in london and the west end a lot um and it was always really hard it was brilliant fun. It was mm. great. And we always had such a wonderful time. But I just, I don't know. I would have probably done it. But my parents would say, right, get something behind you and then give it a try. Mm. And I think by the time it was time for me to apply for uni, I had that in my mind. And I went straight, straight to uni to do it. Um, so that... Yeah. So that thing of having something to to fall back on almost, yeah. which yeah. you know. I sort of regret that. I really regret it because um, it was such a great time, and I think that if I'd just stepped out of my comfort zone, mm. you know, it's a hard industry. It's a really hard industry to be in. But I think that if I'd have just taken that chance, I would have had a heck of a lot more chances. It's quite mm. cool that I've come back around to it now. So. Yeah. I think when people say, oh, I'm going to fall back on this, it's almost, I'm not criticising you here, but it's almost like there is a lack of self-belief there. Because I yes. think if you want a career in the creative industries, you've got to believe that you're good enough. Stop you from doing what mm. you need to do because, like, you 
can really go for it and you can always come back to things later and I think if I just take my own bit of advice mm. but then I wouldn't be where I am today no exactly and it's all like saying if I'd done this if I'd done that but if you do say that you're never going to be contented with what you do yeah. now which is brilliant um and I was going to ask you about, in terms of the dance industry, the kind of level of competition, and the standards that are set. Did did you feel did you feel that pressure as an emerging dancer? you develop quite a thick skin as well to be able to take criticism and things like that. criticism of your work it's hard because when you've created something especially if you've created it that's your little baby and you're so proud of it and someone comes along and says I don't like it or it doesn't work and then you've got to defend it it can be hard to come from that position and say and and stand up for, for what you believe in in terms of your work I think Mm. And I know that some of the 
And that is some, that is sometimes more important than being, you know, as you say, popular or like sided with. If you've yeah. got your values and you're standing up for your values, that's more important than having popular support. I I think uh, anyway. Yeah. I think people shy away from that because they're afraid to be judged or shunned or disowned yeah. or things like that. But you've got to stand up for what you believe in creatively and generally, I think. Oh, 100%. I agree with you 100% back here. And as a dancer you performed, as you said, uh, in the West End and in Santa as well. Um, yeah. What was that like? Because it was London. I think because I was young, no. Right. Is but it... I think if, if I was asked to do it now, I would be an absolute bag Do you think that's maybe <laughs> because you weren't aware at that point of the scale of it, maybe? Or yeah. Like... I don't know, I think it's, I don't know. That's a really good question. Right. I just go out there and do it, have mm. fun, and, you know. Um, but I think I really would now. I'd be an absolute. Anytime I'm, I'm asked to do something, I'm a bag of news. Uh, yeah, I think that's the general thing for most people when they get older. You know, anxiety kicks in a lot more. Whereas when you're younger, it just happens and you just do it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You build up the resistance to it as you get older, and it's I don't I, I don't know why that happens, but it does. It's just something psychological which develops over time, I guess. Latin and ballroom 
Right. And she's gone to Blackpool and she's gone to like the Tower Ballroom to compete. And I never understood that anxiety that my mum had. But now I get it sister. Does Joe get nervous before she performs? Slightly. She's really excited until mm. like um like the section before the competition. Yeah. She gets really nervous and then um she'll she'll go on, like the dance teacher will make a laugh or something yeah. and then she'll go on with a partner. And she'll be fine. She doesn't freeze on the floor at all. But uh, uh, I definitely see it from a different point of view. Yeah, now. yeah. You, you know what it was like for, for your mum and other parents yeah, now. Yeah, like, uh, well, I always used to say, like, I, I have no idea why I'm also working. No. Like, you're only sitting there in the audience, <laughs> it's fine. And uh, <laughs> the first time I saw her computer, I was like, yeah, I can. But there's something about being alone or just the two of you on stage. Whereas if you're in a play, you've got 10 or 11 actors to fall back on. But if you're on your own on stage, if you mess up, everyone's going to know you've messed up. So I can, under <laughs> I can understand why that anxiety would be heightened as opposed to like if you're in a play or something. But I, I want to move on slightly. I want to ask you how you do develop your choreography and yeah, how do you, how how did you start choreographing first of all? So oh, we've Otherwise they won't be moved. It's like everyone though, really. It's like if yeah. you don't connect with that piece of music, you're not going to be motivated to do it, I don't <laughs> suppose. say fair enough then I guess because they're yeah. not going to be motivated to do exactly. something so it's like right okay 
um, I taught a lot of additional needs in the mainstream setting, but there was also um, a specialist teaching facility, so I teach in that as well. Right. So it was on site, but it was separate. That sort of okay, sense. yeah, yeah, I get what you mean, yeah. Yeah, so I taught both, and um, my hands were just tied a lot, and I was... Um, I was a teacher that I, I used a lot of rhythm, I used a lot of music in my classes, a lot of movement, especially mm. like for for different languages and stuff, because I just thought that was the best way mm. um, for it to stick. And um, I taught, I had, I had a class that I taught from year seven to um, when they finished uh, and, and had to have their options. And um, it was a group of additional needs um, students, and they worked so hard that um, when I first had them, I had um, the parents, you know, say to me, "Are you sure they're okay to do the subject? They shouldn't. I don't think they should be doing the subject. You know, it's not." Um, and I said, "No, they're really. They'll be good. Like I, I'll adapt. Yeah. I adapt everything I teach for them." So, what, give them a chance. What kind of level of learning impairment are we talking? Um. So this class, uh, we had um most of the child, most of the students in that class were had autism. Right. And um, they were all verbal um students, but the learning was on sort sort of different scales. So we had okay. a They don't excel. Let me try and word this correctly, but they can't excel in the same way as academically yeah. gifted students can. Therefore, they see that their worth is less. Where yeah. because they're not given the pathways to see, are oh, you? Yes. Just because yeah. you're not academically bright doesn't mean you're not good at anything. Mm. And um, it's just it's just sad, you 
you know that um, everybody has has a has a right to to learn in a way that they they can. And I think that it's up to us as teachers to adapt our learning to get the best out of our students. And yes. And yet with the constrictions that are placed upon you by authorities. Yeah. And I, I, I didn't want to get political, but screw it, I'm going to get political. Oh, like, Where's your political flag? <laughs> Everyone knows I'm a lefty anyway. Um, <laughs> but you know, funding's been cut. Funding for SEN has been cut. Therefore, there are less LSAs. Therefore, these kids don't have access to the same age and, and more kids are being driven into special needs schools because of it where, where special needs schools do a great job don't get me wrong but there are kids who don't need to be there who are there because of um funding cuts basically because of because of economic policy Um, after 25 so 
What about um, on a national UK level? Is there legislation? So it's, it's up to 26. Um, if it's in domiciliary care, then no. it's slightly different. Well, it's very different. Obviously, there's, there's legislation and everything in place, but there's technically not a lot. There's guidelines, but there's no set law or such. And I think that that's why people can get around things. Um, you know, like they, I feel like after 26, um, people with additional needs and disabilities have forgotten about. I mean, yeah, especially if widow lose fact, they're not able to like get jobs or be. Yeah. We heard this term economically active recently. And you know, it's like if they're not economically viable, that then they're not worthwhile as people. Yeah. But that's what capitalism does. Sorry, I'm getting political again. No, but no, like, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. What they contribute, yeah. Why can't it be on, you know, whether they're happy, whether they're happy in what they're doing, you know? Mm. Um, 
like the Tuesday ones like are ready to change the world and they want yeah. to change everything, fight for everything. And then we've got another group which are created in a completely different way. And more, and they do not want to stand up or fight. They're just like, we're happy. We, this is these yeah. are opinions. Yeah, we're, we're just fine. Yeah. I, I, exactly, and everyone's different, you know, everyone has different ways that they exist in the world. I think that that's what we need to remember as well, is that um, just because somebody has got um, a disability, regardless of whether it's a physical disability or, um, you know, a, a learning disability, it's important that these people they have to listen to. Yeah, absolutely. And their, their goals are met, and like honestly, some of the things they asked, and they said, "Oh, we can't do that." And they're like, "Well, why can't you do that? Or oh, we won't be allowed to do that." So like, no, let's see how we can do it. At the end of the day, they're adults as well, you know. They're not children. Exactly. They have their own free will. Chance on on us, and then perhaps have it fold, you know, 
yeah. parents' worries. Um, but it, it's quite, it's, it's really great to see how much they're progressing. Yeah. I knew it would make a difference, but I didn't realise, like, how much of a difference it's made on me as well. It's made me, like, reevaluate how we teach or... Because if they're not pushed, they'll never achieve anything. to making dance accessible for adults with learning disabilities? Um, I think, for me, it's about what can I do to adapt what I already teach. Right. as well because everyone's different and everyone's got um accept to some extent everyone's got quote unquote additional needs regardless of who you are so i guess you assess it on a person by person basis as well in terms of what this particular individual is going to be able to to do as well Yeah. <laughs> um, on a clip, and I'll have to send it to you. But um, it is like a sort of a street dance move. And the first thing we did, because we knew that not 
everybody would get to that final mm-hmm. box that we wanted. Um, we got them right down. We brought them right to the right down to the very rhythm, and everybody sat on the floor. And we started with a rhythm with our hands. Then we started, and we just built it up, and we just said, right, if you want to stay at that, stay at that. And we just kept building on a step and building on it and building on it. And, um, you know, like you, some of them will stay at, at a level where yeah. they don't jump or they just use their hands. And then there's others that will do the whole step and mm. not add a turn or not add a jump. But um, it was, it's, it's great because we've just brought it back. So there's no fear and there's no um, worry of failing. Yeah. Because we bring everybody's doing it from the start. We bring it right down to the base rhythm and build it up. And it was quite funny actually because we had um, uh, a volunteer come with us and join us. And they turned to me and my group and they said, She hasn't done this move before. I think we should bring her down, down to the floor with the rhythm. Yeah. And that was coming from our members. And I was yeah. like, Yeah, guys, okay, right, that's what we would do with anybody else. You know, that would, that's what we would do with a member who missed a class. So. Why not? Why not? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, it's about just finding what works for everybody and just mm, and, um, adapting it, but taking away the fear. I, I completely, yeah, just making it, uh, releasing that pressure then on on a person. Yeah. Um, and atmosphere which makes yeah. you and the participants feel that that it doesn't matter if you mess up it can we yeah. can modify our practice we can change it um i'd like to move on uh, i'd like to talk about you performed at festival in the forest um what, what was that like in 2018 what was that experience like Mm. It was a festival for them. They knew that 
uh, it was families that were going to be there, it was their friends that were going to be there, it was the people they were working with, yeah. and they were really proud. Um, and they always do me proud, but they did me really proud that day because I, I don't think I would have been as focused as them no. seeing everybody. So, and they were really close as well. But they, they did fabulous. It was a great atmosphere, yeah. and I really recommend it. I know this year's has been cancelled, and I think that they're looking they're going to be doing it next year. But it's just a wonderful environment. Did you go? No, I've not. Where is it held? So it's in Forest Park um, Air Day Provision. Right. So they have a massive. Uh, they have a massive outdoor area, and they have a massive field as well. Yeah. So, the, but there was a big stage and bands on in the field, and then wow. there was in the big car park area. There were lots of different stores, and you know, a, a pizza oven and everything was there. And mm. It was just an opportunity. You know, there was a bar open, so everybody was sensible. But obviously, there was an opportunity for them to have that festival experience in a safe environment. It was brilliant. Yeah. I'll have to go next year if this lockdown ever ends. I will, yeah, I'll keep a lookout for that, definitely. And what do you think is the most important skill that you've learned, or some of the most important skills that you've learned that have developed your practice over the course of your career? Mm. you 
know how much effort is taken to do something um, like that, and it just makes it's just wonderful. Isn't it? mm. It's just such a wonderful it's such a lovely feeling. That, that you know they've enjoyed what we're doing, mm. and I think that that's the thing we need to make sure that whatever we do is is accessible. Absolutely. And and there's this thing of accessible work and general work. Why can't all work be kind of accessible? Why can't we make all work open to anyone? That they can go to anything? I was talking with, do you know Elise Davison from Taking Flight? I was talking to her. I was talking to her about this. And there's this thing of accessible performances and workshops and general stuff. Why can't we have work that's made for everyone, that takes into account um, everyone's individual access requirements? Just doesn't yeah. make sense to me. Um, that is your fights, Kira. Yes. That's your uh, job. I'll try my best, but I need people like you to help me. <laughs> well, I'm behind you, you know that. Um, my final question today um, is what advice would you give to someone who's just starting out and wants to go into the creative industries? Don't underestimate anyone. Thank you, Sam. <laughs> You're welcome. Brilliant. Thank you for listening to this episode of In Lockdown With. The podcast is written, produced and curated by me, Kieran Fitzgerald. Thank you to all my guests for taking the time to appear on the show. If you enjoyed this episode of In Lockdown With, please consider liking or subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And I'll see you next time for another interview.